0: Yo, what's up everybody, greatest show on dirt, recording from the Sweet Bee Studios, I'm your host Quentin, I'm coming to you extremely tired, just like everyone else is, I promise you right now, I felt like a character last night on a Freddy Krueger movie, I was just trying to stay awake, I'm drinking teas, coffees, I'm running around the block, I was slapping myself in the face just trying to get hype, Yasiel Puig was doing the same, we uploaded a GIF last night. Of him in the batter's box, hitting himself with a baseball bat on the traps, on the back, on the arms. He was licking his bat. He was kissing his bat. But he, we were all trying to stay awake last night, which what was a top-tier playoff game that you'll ever see. This was a seven-hour and 20-minute epic. It was like a Stephen King novel. It was riveting. It was uh, riddled in anxiety. The... Um, there were defensive miscues. There were phenomenal pitches made. And uh, you know, I, there was a lot of my hair I just wanted to rip out. I mean, it was crazy between the Ian Kinsler play, uh, the Cody bellinger, um the Cody Bellinger like uh, stumble when he didn't um, oh, when he was on first base, that's what Cody Bellinger did. He was on first base. I knew he did something that wasn't right. but then, The Cody Bellinger throw, he more than made up for it. There were a ton of exciting things in this baseball game, and I don't think any more exciting than the Walker-Buehler start. I mean, Walker-Buehler start last night was the most unsurprising thing I've seen the whole entire postseason. I knew it was coming. I think anyone that's watched Walker-Buehler pitch, anyone that knows anything about Walker-Buehler – Anyone that's heard him talk knew that this start was coming and it was inevitable for the Boston Red Sox. I would say two days before the game, before last night's game, I had said and tweeted that he's probably the one Dodgers pitcher that can handle it, meaning playing against the Red Sox, because I know when Kershaw was, Kershaw got eaten up by the Red Sox, Henjin Ryu got eaten up by the Red Sox, and I knew that the one Dodgers pitcher that could handle it was Walker Bueller, right? I've watched his start. I know who the kid is. I know how smart he is. Pretty much what sums it up is this. Walker can take the beating. He's super smart. He's a confident asshole. He's like John Lackey or John Lester. Right? I'm a huge Cubs fan. So I'm very familiar with John Lackey and John Lester. But, you know, so are Red Sox fans because before those guys brought a title to the north side of Chicago, you know, they were bringing titles to Boston, right? And those two guys, that's, I think of, I think of the baddest pitchers when I think of Walker Buehler, guys with incredible mound presence, unwavering confidence. People, when I say that Walker Buehler can take the beating, I mean, he can take the beating from the Boston dugout, right? He can take the beating of giving up a grand slam and still giving you six more innings like he did in Atlanta. He can make in-game adjustments. So last night's first inning, he threw about 30 pitches, struck two guys out. He was having a hard time putting guys away, so his pitch count was racked up big time. Okay, You would watch Walker's first inning last night and say, oh, I guess he's getting guys out, but the first inning didn't look great because of the pitch count. And you always worry about a pitcher who's not able to put guys away, which He was having a really hard time putting him away in the first inning, and at that point, I thought maybe that they were only going to get five out of him, but I knew they would be five innings of shutout ball, but one of the incredible things when I say that Walker Bueller can take the beating, meaning he can take the bad things that come to him in a game and make adjustments mid-game, and even Alex Cora had noted that post game that he was able to make adjustments and you can see it in Walker's first inning through the rest of his innings. So the first inning was about close to a 30 pitch count. He didn't have an inning past that that was over 16 pitches. He continued to work efficiently. He continued to get guys out. One of the most impressive things about being on this big stage is Walker didn't walk anybody and in the postseason that's extremely hard to do right. You'll get pitchers that don't walk a lot of guys, but then they'll get to the postseason and do so because they're extra amped up, right? When you have that shot of adrenaline, it's extremely difficult, right? I was in a bags tournament or cornhole, depending on what part of the country you're from, and my adrenaline was so high, I couldn't throw a bag to hit the board. I'm a pretty competitive guy, and that's not the World Series. You understand what I'm saying? And um, that was probably the worst analogy ever. All I'm saying is this. I was super amped up to play bags. And when you know as a competitor, I mean, like I played ball in high school, dude. You know as a competitor that you, um, like on a big moment, like you know you have to perform. And when you know you have to perform, you tend to overcompensate or try to do too much. But that shot of adrenaline from a big moment, that in itself is so hard to adjust to. And we saw it. With Walker Bueller, okay. In the first inning, Walker threw five pitches at 100 miles an hour and six more at 99 miles an hour, right? The adrenaline was pumping for the kid. He was throwing 98 in the seventh inning. So there's no doubt that his adrenaline, you know, was for sure pumping. But the most impressive thing was he took that beating. Right? Walker took that beating and could still compose himself and pitch efficiently after a first inning where it wasn't most efficient and also in that first inning where you knew his adrenaline was going and the fact that he was that amped up to throw 99 and 100 that often and still keep his command, keep his control, keep the intelligence and the mound presence that makes him good. What we saw from Walker Bueller last night as a guy in a big moment, reel it in and stay true to himself and stay true to his game and to be able to adjust to his spike in adrenaline, but also to be able to adjust to the Red Sox hitters that were putting together pretty good at bats in the first inning, even though it was a one, two, three inning. And you got to like it because after that moment, he pitched more efficiently and the, the Red Sox didn't have an answer to him. The last batter he faced pitch 108 was JD Martinez striking out swinging. Walker Buehler struck out Mookie Betts twice looking. I, that's the most impressive thing ever in the world. Mookie Betts probably has the best hand-eye coordination out of anybody in all of baseball. He's got great eyes, and he can see stuff. To get him looking twice is absolutely nuts. He also struck out J.D. Martinez once swinging and once looking. It was unbelievable. So I'm going to say this. How impressive is this start? It's unbelievably impressive, both with an eye test and by looking at the data because that's what people love to do in baseball. So just looking at them, this Boston Red Sox team has both, you know, top 2 MVP candidates on their team on their team in JD Martinez and Mookie Betts. That's your MVP running one and two. They're they're arguably the two best hitters in all of baseball. Take out a few guys. For sure, they're the— Okay, there's Mike Trout. I'm not going to get into who the best hitter in baseball is. They're the two best hitters in the postseason, probably this whole entire postseason. Those two guys were the two best hitters this postseason. On top of that, you have Xander Bogarts, who's a 100-RBI guy. Jackie Bradley Jr., who— if He's batting like a buck 80 this postseason, but when he gets a hit, it's a home run. He's driving in three guys at a time. It's whatever, dude. This is a 108-win Red Sox team against a 24-year-old pitcher whose previous biggest game was probably something he threw at Vanderbilt, right? Because the games he threw before this, he had a great start against the Brewers and a great start against the Braves. I'm sorry, those teams aren't the Boston Red Sox, dude. Their pitchers, the the Brewers and the Braves are not in the same category as the Boston Red Sox. So this start is one of the most impressive starts in this whole entire 2018 season outside of maybe Sean Manaya's no hit no hitter against this this same Boston Red Sox team which was a obvious I don't tell you a super impressive start but this Walker Buehler start on the stage was unbelievably impressive for multiple reasons one 108 win dodgers team two this game it wasn't an elimination game but in my eyes it was a must win game And a must-win game doesn't have to be an elimination game. If the Los Angeles Dodgers lose last night or this morning at 3.30 a.m., depending on your time zone, they're down three games to none. A team's come back from that once, and it was the Boston Red Sox. The Los Angeles Dodgers, there's no way they beat the Boston Red Sox four games in a row. So if they lose last night, they're in big trouble. But on top of... Another reason why this game for Walker Bueller was so impressive is because of this. Alex Cora is the best manager in all of Major League Baseball. And he's proven that this postseason because he makes super aggressive moves. They're also super smart and they've always worked for him. This is the same Boston Red Sox team that beat the Houston Astros four games to one. And before that, beat the New York Yankees in a best of five, I believe, three games to one. Those are two really good 100-win teams. Justin Verlander is probably the best starter in all of baseball. Garrett Cole is right up there with him. And then the Yankees have the best bullpen probably in all of baseball. So the Red Sox are mowing through really good teams like... Like, they're not really good teams, right? They beat the Yankees and the Astros like they weren't the Yankees and the Astros. They beat the Yankees and the Astros, honestly, like they were the Royals and the Baltimore Orioles. I'm sorry, man. If you're a Red Sox fan and an Astros fan, they got beat pretty easily. Like, I get, like, the games were grinds. But when you beat those two teams on a cumulative level of seven games to two, You don't get much more impressive than that, and a lot of that has to do with Alex Cora's super intelligent aggressiveness. I tweeted last night that Alex Cora was the Neil deGrasse Tyson of Major League Baseball, and it's true, man, because he is super smart, and what we were looking at last night is Alex Cora continuing to be aggressive, right? That's what's brought him here, and he's a true difference maker from the bench. He he just is. And we saw Nathan Evaldi throw nearly 100 pitches in relief last night. David Price threw two-thirds of an inning. And the reason why this was such an impressive victory and a must-win is because Alex Cora used his best aggressiveness again to beat a team, and the Dodgers overcame them. And what's happened at this point in the series that the Red Sox have been in previously, the championship series, in the division series, as teams have not been able to beat Alex Cora's intelligence and his aggressiveness. And now that the Dodgers have done it once, the Red Sox are in a bit of a bind because Chris Sale can't pitch tonight. David Price can't pitch tonight. Nathan Evaldi won't be able to pitch for a few days. And then Rick Porcello's not ready to go because he pitched last night in game three. So now, like... I'm, I'm not going to use the word backfire because Alex Corr has done what he's done, and it's all amazing. But in game four, in my eyes, the Los Angeles Dodgers have the advantage because they somehow beat everything that Alex Corr threw at them last night. And I know David Price wasn't taxed a lot, but the important thing about David's price two-thirds of an inning is some of the guys got to see him again. And the more you can see a pitcher in the postseason series, the better off you are. Which is probably one of the main reasons why the Chicago Cubs beat the Cleveland Indians in 2016 was because they had just seen Miller and Kluber and Cody Allen so dang much. And when you see him a lot, that that often, it's going to help a bunch. So even getting the chance to see David Price again, even though he wasn't out there for a lot, It was a heavy stress situation on Price, which is taxing as well, right? It's not just a bullpen session, even though it might be the amount of pitches in a bullpen session. It's very different when you're pitching in Game 3 of a World Series on the road. That is mentally exhausting, and then that exhausts you more physically. And then some Dodgers players, whatever batters faced him, got to see Dave Price again, and now they can relay relay that to their team, and that's a good thing, so huge advantage for LA right now, because they beat the Red Sox at their best game, and now the Red Sox might be a little more tired than what they were, and this is essentially like Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting the Predator, and then saying, if it bleeds, we can kill it, because like it's that initial just, I got you, man, It's like Rocky fighting Ivan Drago in the first lick you get, and you see a little bit of a blood, and you get that momentum. This is what happened last night with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Los Angeles Dodgers, they drew blood from the Predator, and that is huge because I know the Astros beat him one game, and I know the Yankees beat him at one game, but it wasn't this important of a victory, and it was not this hard fought of a battle when you're talking 18 innings, 561 total pitches over 28 dozen baseballs were used during this game because there were so many foul balls so much whatever and just the gosh dang game was played so long this was a huge huge big big fight and the Dodgers came out on top so this is more for the Dodgers than just one game. Now I'm not rooting for the Dodgers, right? I I am an objective bystander here. I am a Chicago Cubs guy, but I created this podcast because I love to talk all things baseball, right? I'm a true baseball fan, and I, I love to watch good baseball. I really do, man. I've I've bashed David Price for as long as I can remember, but I want it, I want him to succeed so bad, and I love to watch him succeed. And it's the same with Clayton Kershaw. But my favorite pitcher probably in all of baseball is Walker Buehler. And that was a phenomenal, phenomenal game last night. So as far as how impressive this win was, unbelievably huge. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit of data with you for sure. Um, obviously, obviously, we, we know Walker Buehler's mound presence is it's a cut above everybody else's. It's very much that of John Lackey. John Lester, like I said, uh, Nolan Ryan esque mound presence. Mark Burley. Mark Burley always had. Mark Burley. When I think of mound presence and the ability to grab the reins of a baseball game and take control, I always think of Mark Burley. You got a guy who worked quick, worked confidently, never shook off his catcher, and that's what we saw from Walker Buehler last night, man. I don't think he shook off a lot. I never saw him moving his head. He would just take the mound and throw, and that's what it was. And it's that unwavering confidence in that top-tier mound presence that gave him the fifth highest postseason pitching game score in the history of Dodgers playoff baseball. Now, we're only talking about the Dodgers, but there have been really good pitchers go through this organization. So there have been four better postseason Dodger pitching performances by three different guys. So right now we can say this. The Los Angeles Dodgers have such a rich postseason history. And what Walker Buehler did last night, there are only three men to have ever worn a Dodgers uniform pitch a better game than what Walker did last night. And those names are Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale, and Oral Hershiser. Walker Buehler's cut from that cloth, man. That is a really good start. Walker Buehler is the third starting pitcher ever to go seven innings, two hits or less, seven Ks, and no walks. Third starting pitcher ever, it's Walker. Roger Clemens with the 2000 Yankees, who was pumped up on the good steroids in his prime at the age of, like, 40. And then, oh, just a guy by the name of Don Larson who pitched a postseason no-hitter. Ever heard of him? Yeah. And also, also, guys... That did this in the postseason that were 25 and younger that just pitched seven innings of whatever ball. It's just another category I looked up. I don't know what it means. But basically, if we look at Walker Bueller's postseason pitching performance last night, with him being only 24 years old, there have only been four other guys 25 or younger to put up a similar performance to what Walker Buehler did last night, and that's Madison Bumgarner in 2012, which is he's the John Wayne of postseason pitching. Nothing else matters. Give me the ball, and I'll throw till my arm falls off. Madison Bumgarner is the best postseason clutch performer on the mound I've ever seen in my entire life. Josh Beckett in 2003 with the Florida Marlins in the World Series. Josh Beckett, man. Josh Beckett was a big. Josh Beckett was a fun. Was a great postseason pitcher, and, but then you know, there are other guy. The two other guys that were twenty five or younger, a guy named Chief Bender from nineteen oh five and Bill James from nineteen fourteen. So you know when you turn in a pitching performance, that two of the names that have done it are back from nineteen fourteen and nineteen oh five when. I don't think sliced bread existed. The Model T was brand new, and polio and smallpox were a real fear, right? If you're being compared to those guys that long ago, you've put in a historic performance. So from a data standpoint, last night's pitching performance was just amazing, man. It was unbelievable. And, you know, definitely, you know, with him feeling the adrenaline and being able to control it, I think it's one of the biggest things with Walker Buehler. I think Walker Buehler is the future, of this Los Angeles Dodgers franchise. You know, if Clayton Kershaw opts out, I don't know that if if I were the GM of the Los Angeles Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw opts out, I'm not going to sign him. And here's why. What is separating the Dodgers, in my eyes, from winning a World Series is their lack of a number one starter, right? The San Francisco Giants had guys like Matt Cain, Madison Bumgarner, Tim Lincecum. And I've always felt if Madison Bumgarner did his job in the postseason, the Los Angeles Dodgers would be competing not for their first World Series in 30 years, but for their first World Series like in the last three years. Because if Madison Bumgarner does his job last season and pitches a great game five, because Clayton Kershaw pitched game one of the Astro series and pitched well, but couldn't repeat the performance in game five. Do you know if Clayton Kershaw pitched his game and did his job in game five of last year's World Series, that would have put the Los Angeles Dodgers up three games to two, and that's huge. And on top of that, I believe the Dodgers had home field advantage last year, so they would have been up three games to two going home, which would have been which they needed that would have put them in a prime position to win this World Series, right? And that sounds like such a bash, man, to Clayton Kershaw. You know, like when I use words like if Clayton does his job, that sounds very negative. I, I love Clayton Kershaw as a pitcher. I-, when- I want him to succeed in the postseason, and I want to see that man because that's such a good story. He's such a—Clayton f- Kershaw is a phenomenal guy. He's a great teammate. He cares about the game more than anybody. And the fact that he was at Fenway Park on like a cold Sunday in a beanie, like envisioning himself pitching in this ballpark, it's moves like that that what separates Clayton Kershaw from everybody else in the league. Nobody wants to succeed more in a big game than Clayton Kershaw does. He's just not that guy, man. He doesn't have the clutch gene. Walker Buehler has that clutch gene. So when I look at this and say, well, do I re-sign Clayton Kershaw if he opts out? If I'm the Dodgers, I say no. I treat this as a passing of the torch, like when the Indianapolis Colts moved on from Peyton Manning and went to Andrew Luck, or when the Dallas Cowboys did it with Tony Romo and Dak Prescott, or when the 49ers did it with Joe Montana and Steve Young. Sometimes it's time to pass on that torch. And Walker Bueller, he's like a mix between Madison Bumgarner being having the ability to be so dominant in the clutch, because well, Walker Bueller has the clutch gene, but then he also throws with such velocity and has phenomenal control because Madison Bumgarner is not a velocity guy but Walker Buehler is. So Walker Buehler has that velocity to get you out. He can locate a baseball like Madison Bumgarner can, so it's like he can pitch with finesse too, but then he's got like that Nolan Ryan 100-mile-an-hour heat to where he can really blow you away. He struck out Mookie Betts on a 99-mile-an-hour fastball low in the zone and whiffed J.D. Martinez on his last 108th pitch of the game on what I believe was 98 mile an hour heat, right? So he's got that. And so if I'm the Dodgers, I wouldn't, you know, I would pass on Clayton Kershaw because Walker Bueller, he's got it, man. He's got it. I think he's got great mechanics. He can repeat his mechanics. So when you look at the intangibles that Walker has, that he's just so dang confident on the mound To back that confidence up, he's got the intelligence for it. This is a kid that got a 30 on his ACT. He went to Vanderbilt. He's intelligent. He's confident. But he can also mechanically, he can repeat his mechanics, which is what allows him to throw 98 miles an hour in the seventh inning against one of the best teams that we've seen for sure in the last 35 years because that's how old I am. And in that big moment, he can just do it, right? Repeating those motions, being able to locate the fastball allows you, allows Walker to play his game from the first inning to the seventh inning. And that's what's so important about Walker Bueller is his three best tools really are mound presence, unwavering confidence, and repeatable mechanics. And I feel like they're healthy mechanics too, right? He had Tommy John surgery as soon as the Dodgers drafted him. And besides that, there really haven't been any injuries. You know, I believe with his fluid mechanics and just who he is as an athlete and how intelligent he is, he just knows how to take care of himself. And that's huge when you're a pitcher, right? I really believe that when you see an athlete like Nolan Ryan or Cal Ripken who play so long or Greg Maddox or Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds, right? Steroids are not. If you can play sport for that long, any sport, there's a certain intelligence that goes along with that because a player has to know how to be athletic and take care of their body and that, my friends, is a skill. And I believe Walker has that, man. He's he's a franchise pitcher. He he can be one of the best pitchers in all of baseball and it's very obvious to me, which is why I said at the beginning of this podcast that Walker Bueller's performance last night was the most least surprising thing I've seen this postseason, man. I knew it was absolutely coming. Anything else I need to go over on Walker? It, it was huge with Alex said He was making in-game adjustments. He was real reliant on his four-seamer, then later in the game started dropping cutters and change-ups. Um He's the ultimate combo of tough and stuff. We'll take a little bit of a break. Greatest Show on Dirt. We'll tackle some other things from the World Series. All right, here we go. Should last night's 7-hour and 20-minute 18-inning game spur a change when it comes to extra innings? The answer is no. Unequivocally, 100, 0, 50 gazillion percent no. Pace of play has never been Major League Baseball problem. Marketing is a Major League Baseball problem. Marketing and doing what's right to the game and getting it out there to the masses and creating really good storylines, right? The success of Major League Baseball long-term when it comes to fans has been pushed on has been pushed to the side for money, profit, control of all the content that goes out. no 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 no. there should not absolutely not even talk be talk about a rule change to extra innings because of the game we saw last night. This is not a catalyst for an extra innings rule change. what we saw last night was a phenomenal game and when great games happen like that, Major League Baseball just does an awful job. I'll share the article, but Gary Vaynerchuk talked about it on an article he did with Sports Illustrated, and obviously i work in marketing like when I'm not doing the podcast, so this comes up every few podcast episodes. You know kind of about what baseball's doing with their players and stuff like that, but Major League Baseball's dropping the ball on this, and Rob Manfred trying to use pace of play as some sort of disguise for what's wrong with baseball is bonkers when you have teams being investigated by the Department of Justice for Human Trafficking to bring really good baseball players over that financially make sense and help teams profit. And on top of that, with all of the content that's created, having to stream through Major League Baseball, and Major League Baseball really just not liking it when people use Major League Baseball content on their own personal Twitters. I know Major League Baseball's let up a little bit, But Big Cat from Barstool, like, has multiple times had his Twitter account suspended for posting Major League Baseball stuff on there because Major League Baseball wants to control it for their own profit, right? So that's what's ruining baseball is short-term gains. That's affecting the long-term story, right? Baseball, a pace of play baseball problem, it's like people believing that global warming doesn't exist, right? It's fake, it's something that's been built up and developed I guess I don't know why like people top major league baseball players maybe like they're lying to themselves but pay a pace of pay pace of play problem is completely fabricated so if anyone wants to have the conversation, At me on Twitter, I don't care. There should never, ever, ever, ever be an extra innings rule change. This is baseball, and anything— baseball's unpopularity is not because of baseball play. It's in the hands of baseball, and baseball needs to do a better job. The content's created on Major League Baseball's behalf— Always has to go through Major League Baseball, and oftentimes it's just garbage content, man. It really is. Like my content's probably not that much better. We're just finishing our first season as a podcast, but damn it, man, that's why I started the podcast, you, because I wanted to just create something that was fun. I wanted to create segments that were, you know, kind of improv based, off the cuff, not like planned MLB Network stuff that just. It's not genuine, man. It's just really not. And a lot of times, those talking heads on MLB Network, they're not saying anything anyway. Like when John Smoltz is on a game saying, well, you, you got to you gotta take the lead to get ahead. What? No, he really said something like that. John Smoltz verbatim said something. Hold on. I'm, I'll read you the exact tweet. Hold on. Let me get my phone. John Smoltz said on air during game one, you got to tie the game up before you go ahead. That in itself sums up all of the content that MLB puts out in that one thing. No extra innings rule changes. Top moments from last night. The most disappointing moment of the whole entire night was Manny Machado not running it out to second. Now, someone did tweet me, and they were like, well, Manny might have been thrown out anyway because it was such a hard-hit ball that deflected off the wall. One. I guess, man. Anyone can be thrown out on a great, like, picture-perfect throw. So be it. Dude, Manny Machado, it took him seven seconds to go from home to first. He could have made it to second and could have been safe on second. I've seen guys like Yasiel Puig, Albert Almora, Chris Bryant, Ian Happ, turn singles into doubles that immediately gets a guy in scoring position it amps up your fan base and it amps up the whole damn dugout for you to prot for you to just trot and prance nonchalant to first base when you just hit a ball 383 feet and not make it to second i'm sorry man don't want the guy on my team got no time for you when you're fighting for a world series You better get the second, man. I don't care if you might have been thrown out. You're a 25-year-old shortstop. You look like David Ortiz at the age of 38, man, trying to get the second. But he's so slow he gets the first. Why is a 25-year-old Manny Machado running like a 38-year-old David Ortiz? I'm pretty sure Kurt Gibson in the 88 World Series hobbling along, made it to first base quicker than what Manny Machado did last night. From what I can tell, he's healthy and he's got two working legs. That play has got to be made, and you've got to get your ass on second base, man. Major League Baseball, dude, and Cody Bellinger, the next batter, he got out. He was out. I get it. So one might say, well, it doesn't really matter if Manny's on second because there were two outs and the next guy got out. No, When you've got a runner on scoring position, as opposed to a runner on first, things operate differently. The pitcher attacks differently. The pitcher's a little more nervous. He's got a little more adrenaline. He's a little more on edge. A runner in scoring position changes everything. None out, one out, two out. I don't care. Those are facts, man. That's what it is. If you've ever played baseball, you know you've got to get that guy on, and you've got to hustle. I'm not sitting here being old school goose sausage. Well, hell, that's bad for the game. That ain't tradition. You better hustle, son. I, that's not me, man. I don't care. Get your ass on second because we got to score a run, dude. Because if we lo- if the Dodgers lose last night's game, pal, that's on plays like that, dude. You've got to do it. Because a clubhouse isn't just spreadsheets and datas and home runs and RBIs. Man, it is the way that these guys work together, how they vibe, the spirits of the clubhouse, right? Don't drain it. Don't drain the spirits of the clubhouse. Don't drain the aura the psyche of the clubhouse, by nonchalantly, barely jogging to first. Like, Manny, I know that you don't want to be Johnny Hustle, but, like, can you be, like, Johnny? Like, I'm going to kind of run and make it to second. Like, I'm going to kind of try a little bit. Like, you don't have to be Johnny Hustle. Like, Manny Machado, you're a great player. I want you to be healthy, man, right? I don't want you going hardcore into first and tweaking your knee like Adam Eaton and Bryce Harper did. Like, play smart, right? I get it. So you ain't got to be Johnny Hustle, but man, can you at least be Johnny, I'll give it a sort of quick jog? Like, do your job, man. That is a devastating play. I would never, ever want Manny Machado on my team, and I didn't have a huge problem with the Jesus Aguilar bump at first base. Yeah, I posted it on all of our social media so people could see it. I didn't really take a stance one way or the other on it because I thought it was pretty harmless. It wasn't really a problem, and the Jesus Aguilar-Manny Machado trip up at first base was really each guy just really being sick of the other guy. Jesus didn't get off the bag. Manny knew it. Manny was jogging down. Jesus was pissed about it. Manny just kind of kicked him and whatever. The guys know each other. They're sick of seeing each other. This is the postseason. When you see a guy seven games, you just get sick of everybody, and that's what that play was. I don't really care about it. But, like, kind of like that, in combination with him, like, jiggling his nuts to the Milwaukee Brewers crowd in Game 7, to, like, I'm not Johnny Hustle, and then to seeing that you're not Johnny Hustle, when you got guys like Walker Bueller and Yasiel Puig that are giving it everything they have on the field— Walker Buehler threw the most pitches in a Major League Baseball game he's ever thrown last night. This is a guy that had Tommy John surgery. He's literally been cut open for the game of baseball. Can you not hustle for your damn pitcher who's out here busting his ass doing more than he's ever done in his career volume-wise? Can you at least hustle? Can you at least hustle? I've seen Puig stretch out singles to doubles, and when he does it, he's hype, sticking out his tongue, looking like a professional wrestler doing a promo. He's busting his ass, and what's that do to the clubhouse in the dugout? It fires him up, man. You can't even hustle the second? Come on. Can't do that. That's a top moment on my list because it's such a crap moment on my list. Cody Bellinger's throw to gun out Ian Kinsler at home on the tag up. Buddy, it was Doc Holliday, Wyatt Earp, Tombstone, man. You know the final scene where where Doc Holliday, he's one-on-one with Johnny Ringo. They draw. Doc shoots him, and he's just like, you know Daisy. You know Daisy or whatever he says after he shoots him. I'm your Huckleberry. Well, Cody Bellinger, I'm your Huckleberry. He He threw out Ian Kinsler. On one of the most exciting plays, if not the most exciting play all night. Because in my head, I'm like, man, this game's going to end. I'm obviously, like, rooting for the Dodgers because they're, like, the underdog. I always like to see the underdog win. And in last night's game, like, obviously, I'm a huge Walker Bueller fan. And that throw to Bellinger, man, that was Doc Holliday gunning down Johnny Ringo. I'm your Huckleberry. Phenomenal play. Puig making contact when he had to. To score Max Muncy from second base on that overthrow was a phenomenal play, which ties into another top moment of Max Muncy taking second base on a pop-out that Eduardo Nunez caught and went into the seats. Max Muncy heads up, tag up, made it to second, which allowed Yasiel Puig. He came to the plate, made contact. That was Ian Kinsler's error on the throw to first base that allowed Max Muncy to score. Now, Yasiel Puig, from what I've seen in the postseason, he's not trying to uppercut baseballs. He's got a nice level line drive swing. It was a little bit of frustration last night when I saw Chris Taylor try to uppercut, and you could see it in his swing. It was an uppercut swing, and he just popped out. And when you're in extra innings and only need one run to win— Hit for the situation. And I see guys that don't hit for the situation because everyone is uppercutting the ball. But Yasiel Puig's ability to make level line drive contact, hit the ball hard enough that caused Ian Kinsler to panic and overthrow first. Listen, Ian Kinsler was distraught about that play, but he shouldn't be too hard on himself. In such a huge World Series pivotal moment, Listen, top, top, top top-tier athletes will have a hard time making that play, and that was a a well-hit ball by Yasiel Puig. Nice level, sharp grounder up the middle that Ian Kinsler had to go to his right to field. That was a good piece of hitting by Puig, and I love the fact that he just went up there for contact, wasn't trying to uppercut the ball, and... To see, I don't remember what inning it is, what it was, but to see Chris Taylor try to uppercut a ball with like a guy on first and one out, you saw the replay, like, dude, he just tried to uppercut the ball and put something in the air. And sometimes, and you can hate Alex Rodriguez all you want on ESPN baseball, but you got to hit for the situation, buddy. And line drives are sexy, man. Bring back the line drive. I'm bringing line drives back. What? Do it, please, man. Huge hit. Nathan Evaldi's heat that he threw last night. Nathan avaldi man, outside of Walker Buehler, is my favorite pitcher in the whole postseason. He's throwing 100-101. He struck out Alex Bregman at 102 in the championship series. He threw nearly 100 pitches last night, gave up one earned run, and that's what lost the game. And Nathan avaldi basically got his start on short rest a full day early, not expecting to do so. And what he's done in this postseason, and I tweeted this, Three months ago, that I thought Nathan Ivaldi could be a mini Justin Verlander type acquisition for the Red Sox this season. And it's absolutely been that. And it's guys like Ivaldi, it is specifically Nathan Ivaldi who's done so much for this Boston Red Sox team starting out of the bullpen. I think Ivaldi was the only starting pitcher. Um, when the Red Sox played the Yankees to actually get the W. I don't know that any other starters did. Um, And Nivaldi's given a couple different times, I think, this postseason, six innings of none-to-one-run ball, I believe, man. He's been stellar. And coming out of the bullpen, his stuff looks destructive. Location, heat, location, heat, good breaking stuff. Um, He comes out there. He's not shook, man. It is amazing. And one of the top moments from last night was just Nivaldi's, was just Nathan Nivaldi's straight heat. He's from Alvin, Texas, went to high school at Alvin High School, which is also where uh, Nolan Ryan went. Have you ever heard of him? Don't know what they put in the water in Alvin, Texas, but Nathan Nivaldi drank the same water that Nolan Ryan drank, and he looks freaking awesome. Guy's had two Tommy John surgeries. He's still throwing heat, and his ability to bounce back from those injuries just tells you what kind of athlete, what kind of person Nathan Evaldi is and how important he is to the Boston Red Sox team. Jackie Bradley Jr. continues to deliver. Eighth inning, one out home run off Kenley Jansen. Completely nuts. The guy doesn't have a lot of hits this postseason, but when they do, they're hits that drive in multiple runs. It's completely bonkers what JBJ's doing. David Price pitched two-thirds of an inning last night and that plus David Price's game two start David Price does not look like the same pitcher and I attribute a lot of that to Alex Cora and how he is with this Boston Club and the environment that the environment and the culture that Alex Cora has fostered and created. I attribute a lot of that to David Price's success. And he doesn't even look like the same guy on the mound, man. He looks confident. His stuff's good. He looks confident in the bullpen. He's David Price is ready to slit your throat, man. And to see him for the two-thirds of an inning again just continues to be impressive, David Price, man. He gets outs when Alex Cora asks him to get outs. End of story, man. Jock Peterson's home run to give the Dodgers a 1-0 lead. Jock Peterson now has four home runs and six World Series starts. The guy was made for the big show, man. He's doing it. His home run was huge off pretty Ricky Porcello. Um, Big left-handed Batman. He's looking to drive the ball in every hit Batman. He um, is just looking to turn on a pitch and hit a line drive, and I love it, man. Line drives are sexy. Jock, bring him back, man. The fact that Walker Buehler, here's another top moment, struck out J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts twice is phenomenal. The fact that he struck out J.D. once and Mookie twice looking is crazier, the two best hitters in the postseason, your top two MVP candidates of the regular season, Walker Buehler diced him and chopped him up like he was a chef on an episode of Hell's Kitchen. Sliced and dice like Rachel Ray. Let him simmer, pal. He cooked him. Absolutely nuts. The Max Muncy slide in the second inning where he went into Brock Holt on the Manny Machado grounder that was kind of hard, no problem with the slide. It was a clean slide. Just because a slide involves contact does not make it dirty. It was a clean, clean slide. Kept his hand on the bag, did not get out of the base path. You can have contact in baseball and it not be dirty. And you need to try to play, break up a play at second if you can. Let's not. Baseball's a competitive sport and it involves contact. Dude, go play croquet, man. Clean slide. And then my last top moment that I've got listed is. It was early in the game, man. I think it was the second inning, and I wish I could remember who was on first base, but Walker Buehler was pitching from the stretch, which didn't happen a whole lot, because Walker Buehler retired the last 14 batters he faced on this 108-win Boston Red Sox team, but there was a runner on first. I don't remember who it was. I feel like it could have been Xander Bogarts, but I don't know. And Walker Buehler, he he checked on the runner, of course, but then when he got set, he was looking dead set at home. I think the catcher and one of the fielders yelled because the guy on first went ahead and took off for second before Walker threw the pitch. Not a bad move if you're the runner because in a high-stakes World Series performance like this, it's fairly likely that a pitcher could get too charged up in the moment and overthrow second, right? It's like, Benny the Jet Rodriguez stealing home on the sandlot. Dude, sometimes you just do things because you sit and say, I'm better than you, and I'm going to take it from you. And that's what the guy on first wanted to do. But Walker Buehler just so coolly, calmly, and politely stepped off the mound and just threw a nice hard toss to second base and got the guy out. I'll tell you who it is here. Here, I can Let me search it real quick. I don't remember. It was Jackie Bradley Jr., it was Jackie Bradley Jr. in the top of the third. He got he reached on an infield single and then was caught stealing, so he went to take second before Walker threw the ball. And then Walker just so calmly stepped off the mound, tossed it to second, man. Didn't skip a beat. Didn't skip a beat in the biggest game of his career. A must-win game three. And again, I call it a must-win because if the Dodgers lose, they're down three games to none, and they're as good as dead. You're not beating the Red Sox four games in a row. As a matter of fact, you're not beating any team four games in a row because the likelihood of that happen, well, the Red Sox are the only team to come back from 3-0. And baseball's been played for 147 years. So what are the chances? Point like 0-0-0-0-0-1. Oh, 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 Whatever, dude. Last night was a must-win. And in that moment, you knew Walker was cool, man. Steps off the mound and just tosses it, dude. Jackie was out. This is the end of the road, guy. We're going to close up the show 46 minutes. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, leave us a review. Leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play or Facebook. Screenshot your review. Send us your review. I don't care how you send it to us, man. DM us wherever you see us at, dude. We'll send you a bunch of free stickers. You can redecorate your car, your house, your face, whatever, dude. The stickers are great. You can wear them on your arm as a tattoo, You can wear them on the side of your face for a face tattoo. Be Mike Tyson with a Greatest Show on Dirt sticker tattoo on the side of your face. Don't care, man. Cover up the dent on your car. Put it over your baby's mouth to get him to stop crying. Give it to your baby and use it as a teething toy, bro. We'll give you free stickers. I'll literally give you free stickers, dude. Leave a review, man. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram, Greatest Show on Dirt. Twitter, Greatest on Dirt. Facebook, Greatest on Dirt. We're there. We're posting stuff 24 hours a day. Because I got no life. I literally go to my day job and do baseball stuff all day at my day job. If anyone important listens to my podcast and hears that, I'm probably fired. But it's what I do, man. I love baseball. And um, that's just what I do. And uh, that's why I started a podcast to talk to myself for 47 minutes. Our next guest will be on Monday. Uh, My boy, Fernie Mercado, man. He uh, is the dude that actually built the desk and all of the wood in my office, man and um because of his building expertise he has made the podcast come to life man he is a huge red Sox fan so he'll be my next guest on monday so tune in then we'll get it uploaded uh, probably monday night or tuesday morning but other than that man take care thank you thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this thing man i hope you enjoyed it and enjoy tonight's baseball game guys take care